0: Hi, hey, this is Lucy Arnez. You're listening to TV Confidential.
1: Beginning Monday, Fritz and Fred, the bad boys of radio, will be dispensing their tastelessness from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. What? There is no way.
0: Our morning drive time gets the highest ratings in this city. Nobody listens to KCDM at night.
2: Hey, man. At Robertson, I'll our guest, Fritz LA. Coleman. Fritz Coleman, longtime weatherman for KNBC Channel 4 in Los Angeles and the co-host the Media Path podcast a show that is boomer nirvana in every sense of the word you can listen to Media Path Apple podcast Spotify wherever you find podcasts this goes back to uh you wouldn't be at KNBC for 39 years unless you were good at what you do and one of the things that makes you good Fritz, is your ability to talk to people, and that's something you honed uh, in some of the other things you did for KNBC besides delivering the weather twice a night.
0: I appreciate it very much. I'll tell you, uh, and this is a product of my age, uh, and that is I'll appreciate and I'm so grateful for the great amount of luck that I've had. You know, I was in radio for 15 years Mm -hmm. before I did television, and it's a very nomadic existence. That is... You work at a place for a few years, and then you move on. Mm -hmm. But to to work at one television station for 39 years and to be able to give my kids a a steady home environment and not have to move around and be able to be part of their lives in a routine way every day was a gift. And so I I feel lucky every day, and the older I get, the luckier I feel.
2: (laughs) Well, one of the the gifts you have is what I call... The red carpet type of interview, the short interview, like for example, a lot of years you would you would cover the Rose Parade uh, for KNBC because knBC as, as part of nbc would would carry the national broadcast and you would do local spots or you would do throws or whatever yeah. and you you would talk to maybe one of the parade organizers, one of the float designers or or so forth, and yeah. you know. Sometimes you may have a, a particular talking point that you got to cover, but sometimes someone grabs someone and says, okay, Fritz, talk to this person for 10 minutes. And you've got to rely on your ability to uh, have a mini conversation in five minutes and make it entertaining.
0: Well, uh, thank you for that. I, I, I will tell you that that was the fun part of the job. I mean, the weather, you know, in, in Southern California, at least until climate change started rearing its ugly head would be very routine. For instance, between April and October, the forecast would basically be morning clouds and (laughs) and fogs, afternoon sun. My job was to think up new adjectives and new ways to describe that same weather pattern and do it enthusiastically like I've said it before. But the fun parts for me were going out and, as you say, doing remote broadcasts and uh, talking to people in the community and maybe doing a thing where we're promoting a nonprofit event. And we do that in a little weather. To me, that was the greatest time of my life. And also, they don't do it so much anymore because it's too, it's not cost-effective anymore. But uh, NBC's had the Olympics for many years, yeah. and they would send at one time the entire news team to wherever we were going to do the Olympics. And we would do the the local news live from the from. Uh, the Olympic venue for three weeks. For instance, we went to Seoul, Korea. So I got to be in Seoul, Korea and go around and do peripheral feature stories about the culture in South Korea. Then the last one I did personally was the Atlanta Olympics, which was a blast because uh, I could speak English and communicate with people on the street and have fun with them. And it was also interesting because we were there the night the Olympic bomber bomb went off, Wow! and it became a national story. It was quite scary, Yeah. but looking back on it from a historical perspective, it was really an amazing time to be in broadcasting because you saw broadcasting at its peak during that time.
2: And going back to your connection to a time when local local news and local personalities really mean something— and in in a moment like that, where you're, you're covering a live news story, you know, as part as part of the team, whether it's something on remote or something that happens here in the Los Angeles area, the fact that it's it's you, Fritz, conveying that information, that 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 kind of gives a uh, you're not only conveying information to the viewers at home, but you're providing a a sort of level of comfort because it's someone. It's you, someone that they've you or Chuck Henry, someone they've gotten to know over the years and therefore can trust. That, that's
0: a, that's a, a, a great observation. I, I people, you know, we people ask me questions about you know the whole architecture of a of a newscast and and why do you think people like the way you present the weather? I can't answer that question, but the the cachet that you have. If you've been on TV in one market for a long time yeah. is the consistency and the repetition of just being there. Now, for instance, I came on at 518 to do the 5 o'clock news for 39 years. Mm-hmm. And people take a certain comfort And you being at the same place in the same time every day, it's like, oh, Fritz is doing the weather. I must still be alive. (laughs) And, and, you know, honestly, it it doesn't even matter if they like you or not. It's the fact that you are in their lives. Uh, News is one of the only ways in broadcasting that breaks the fourth wall. That is, you look right at the camera. So you create this intimacy with the viewers. And over a period of time, you become part of the, of the fabric of their lives. And so that's the cachet you have. And uh, it's really interesting, because you'll be out in the grocery store and some woman will come up and say, you know, I've watched you for years. I named my parakeet Frit after you. And, or, and and then they'll offer some advice like, you're a part of our family. I do want to tell you that Please don't ever wear that tie. <laughs> it's very unflattering to your hair color. I mean, people, like, like they could talk to a nephew or something, and you can't get mad at them because that only means they've invested in you emotionally. And I just listen to them and say, thank you very much for your comment. But, I mean, it, it's really interesting how you grow your value in television. It's very interesting.
2: Fritz Coleman now creates intimacy with his listeners. He co hosts the Media Path podcast along with Louise Palanker. You can enjoy Media Path, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you hear audio. Good evening.
0: Uh oh. I didn't order a lawyer. Did you order
1: a lawyer, friend? Sure. Extra large. To go. Why would you hand me that right here? Another stunt. Stunt? What stunt? We like girls. No, you're you're right, Mr. Mason. We're uh, we're giving away a harem,
0: thirty girls. Count them thirty. What can we do for you?
1: Mr. Keene forced you into accepting an unfavorable time period for your radio show. Did that make you angry? Us? Angry? Going from drive time to
0: dead time. Why should we be upset?
1: Your dinner at Scanlan's bar. You used it to discuss what to do about Keane?
0: Nah. We were just hungry. Actually, it was a wine tasting.
1: With three people you didn't like? Hey, we like everybody. Even you. But especially her. Yes. She could be a great companion. Now, I've been through Keene's files. He had signed contracts with everyone but the two of you. Why was that? Sloppy management. Or was it because he didn't need contracts? Did he threaten you with a certain videotape? A videotape of the two of you and several underage ladies? What a great rumor. How many were there? Shut up, Fred. Look, there have been, uh, there have been groupies that throw... Keen them... was blackmailing you into staying with the station, wasn't he? Where'd you get that?
0: What do you want from us?
1: The name of man number six at that dinner? There were only five of us there. Consider this a gift: a video cassette and two subpoenas. Two. Perhaps I can jog your memory in court.
2: This is the part of the show, Fritz, where I ask you something you did a long time ago, and I hope to God you remember something.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, I'm getting to the age where that's questionable. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like we said at the top of the program, Fritz, people who listen to us in L.A. will know you from KNBC. People who listen to us in other parts of the country, they will probably recognize you uh, for some of the things you've done on a national level. I mean, uh, Fritz, right. uh, Fritz is a very distinguished looking gentleman. He's known for his silver hair, his, his oversized glasses, his long yeah. angular face. He's sort of like Anderson Cooper, only more jovial.
0: Oh my god, that's funny! But and at a low, at a lower tax bracket.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you're the number two media market, so that's oh, that's listen, that's. I'm the, I'm not complaining. I'm
0: just
2: you know ab- doing a self-deprecation. Absolutely, ab- ab- absolutely, But uh, one, if 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 memory serves, uh, one of the things you did on a national level, you were in one of the last Perry Mason movies with Raymond Burr. Exactly, and if I remember, yeah, if I remember correctly, you had screen time with Ray.
0: I did. I'll tell you that was a very interesting experience. This was what we call stunt broadcasting Mm -hmm. during the latter years of Perry Mason. uh, The Perry Mason movies were running on NBC. They Mm -hmm. were two hour. They were like movies of the week. Mm -hmm. They did a whole bunch of different ones. They had Perry Mason. They had McMillan and Son, and uh, and a couple of these shows that, you know, they, they, and they ran on a rotating basis. Yeah. And so we had Perry Mason movie, and they thought they would do stunt broadcasting, so they hired Fred Rogan, who's our sports
2: guy, and I, to come and do an episode called... The Case of the Telltale... Talk show host. It was it was the one where Regis Regis played the decedent, and he was and he he was an obnoxious TV personality, and everybody wanted to kill him.
0: Yeah, It, it was. We all worked at a radio station where Regis was the general manager. Yeah, somebody kills the general manager of the station. And all of the other personalities at the station were all suspects for a few minutes during the show. It was the classic Perry Mason formula, and you never know who did it until the last act. But Fred and I were irritating morning show hosts. <laughs> and and, and uh, that was a big stretch. Yeah. And so, uh, and what's her name? Uh, Christina Ferrari was the woman show host, mm-hmm. and Montel Williams was the sports show That's host. Right. That's right. And, the, and this is really crazy, but it's absolutely true. Uh, the the political host, the nighttime political host on this imaginary radio station was G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a, That's right. We got to spend three weeks with truly one of the most diabolical figures in American history, all sharing the, the uh, food truck with him and everything. It was really, really interesting. And the thing about the Perry Mason episode, this is at the time when Raymond Burr had already even diagnosed with kidney cancer. Yeah. I think he had had one of his kidneys taken out by that point and he did not do on camera acting with anybody so everybody in the show did their performances with a stand-in for raymond and then on the last day or two of shooting raymond would come in and he would act with a teleprompter Mm -hmm. and his great gift was be able to have eye contact with a teleprompter, read his dialogue as if he were having a very intimate and casual conversation with another person. And then they edited it all together and it looked like we were all in the same room having a conversation. I never worked with him one day. This was all done through the miracle of editing. Where he would he would act with it. the teleprompter was his opposing dialogue person, and he would act to them. And it was he was really gifted at that to make it look matter of fact.
2: Yeah, and it speaks to his level of commitment, Fritz. In that, even though he knew his time was limited at that point and his energy was limited, he made the most of what he could and. Oh yeah, made it made it seem like he was talking to you, even if even though he really wasn't. Oh no,
0: and that was his gift, and he did. You know, his eyes never moved like that would indicate that he was reading a teleprompter. It was all very casual and natural, and, that, and really, that's a gift. You know, many some anchor people have the ability to do that after a period of time, but he was he was a master at it. And I think he went on and did Ironside after that because he could be in a wheelchair and not have to stand up. And they would just push them around. But uh, it was a treat. It was, you know, it was our real brushless show business. We were we had to go up to Denver. Viacom had a production facility in Denver, so we had to go up there for three weeks and do it. And it was a cool
2: experience. You mentioned, I think you mentioned, one of your one-man... You've written a number of one-man shows. Yeah,
0: uh, um, so I've done a total of four. These are... One-man show is a little precious, uh, because that suggests that it's like very serious theater, and... Uh, I'm a stand-up comic. That's my background. So what I did was I wrote a series of what I call single-topic monologues and turned them into a one-man show. For instance, my first one was about being a parent and about being divorced. That was called It's Me, Dad. The second one was about a, uh, a marriage called an uh, imaginary wedding that I narrated called The reception. The third one was about the 11 o'clock news called Tonight at 11, (laughs) and the one I most recently did, I just taped an hour special, and we have some interest in some streaming services with it. It's about getting older. It's called Unassisted Living, and so uh, they're single-topic monologues. I take one area, and I just mine about an hour and 90 minutes out of it, and I have a lot of fun with it.
2: Well, we'll keep an eye on Unassisted Living, and that's the one that is probably going to be made available on a... On on a wide basis.
0: Favorite. Now we that's, that's right man. Listen, I will let you know immediately if that's it, and you'll help me talk about
2: it. <laughs> Absolutely, you'll come back on TV Confidential. That'd be fun. Absolutely. In the meantime, you can uh, you can enjoy Fritz Coleman and Louise Polonker on their on their own podcast, Media Path, which you can enjoy Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever else you find podcasts. Fritz, this was a lot of fun. I hope you join us again.
0: I'll tell you, uh, it was fun and easy because you really do your homework, and you're very good at what you do, and it was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting
2: me. Greg Airbar will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk.com